My message today is entitled, Reverse the Flow. I believe it to be a very timely message for the world we're living in today. Looking around the world today, it seems like people have gone mad. So many minds, so many hearts have been polluted with hatred and bitterness. Why have things seemed to deteriorate so quickly and is there any hope for mankind? Well, the first thing we need to do is identify the cause of the problem before we even have a chance of turning things around. One obvious factor that drives people to change their thoughts and their outlook and their, and their reactions, one obvious precursor to that is fear. Fear tempts us to stop extending outward to others. And instead, it turns our focus inward. We believe we have to take care of ourselves because someone or something is coming against us and trying to destroy us. Consciously or subconsciously, we do whatever we can to protect ourselves, relying more on our our means of self-preservation rather than trusting God to take care of us, and rather than trusting God's will. We take our will into our own hands and say, we have to protect ourselves, and so we must become focused on ourselves. When we become self-consumed, we regard ourselves and our opinions and interests as being the most important. We become unable to fully understand or cope with other people's opinions. And the fact that reality can be different from what we are ready to accept. We see this all over the world today. All over the place. Where people can't simply agree to disagree. Do you know what I'm talking about? It used to happen all the time. We talk, we have, there's debate stuff, there's debate groups in school. We teach people how to share opinions and debate and things. But we had, we've always been able to agree to disagree, but something has changed. As a people, we can no longer agree to disagree. The mere suggestion that someone has a different perspective creates a hyper-response of anger and bitterness resulting in slander and name-calling and unforgiveness. Why is this happening? I'll tell you. It all has to do with flow. Let me explain. By His love, God created mankind to love Him in return and to love others. In other words, to have an outward flow. But something intervened to alter its course. The sinful nature that we all have inherited from Adam tempts us to redirect the flow to come to us instead of allowing it to flow outward. Think about it this way. Sin is our attempt to get something for ourselves. In other words, to have the flow coming into us by our will and by our means. Alcohol and drug addictions are our attempt to bring a drug from the outside into us to give us a fix or a high. Lust 
is our attempt to bring sinful thoughts from the outside into our minds to pervert them for our pleasure. Unforgiveness is our attempt to punish someone else so that we can feel justified. Gossip is our attempt to bring information about others into our minds so we can feel powerful with the knowledge that we have or with what we know. Profane swearing and complaining is our attempt to bring attention to us so that we can feel we have power over others. Lying, deceiving, and manipulating others is our attempt to bring people under our control so that we can grow in power and authority and influence. Gluttony, overconsumption, and gambling is our attempt to satisfy the desires of our flesh without limit. In other words, sin is man's way of saying, I know what I want, and I know how to get it by my hand and by my actions and by my effort. It's kind of like a kid going to the supermarket with his parents and sitting on the shopping cart. You know how they set the stuff on the shopping cart at kids' levels so they could throw stuff into the cart? That We don't normally see because we don't walk around the store like this, right? But think of a kid that's sitting in a shopping cart and he's filling up the cart with all the toys and all the candy and all the junk that he wants instead of letting his mother or father fill it with what is needed. People have become so focused on going after and pursuing whatever they want at whatever cost. And thus they've sacrificed their values and their morals along the way. And many do not even realize or have the awareness to know how greatly they have polluted their own minds and their own souls and wounded others in the process. But this is not how God designed His love and His power to flow. We need to reverse the flow. Let me tell you a little story. Chicago is a world-class city. It's known for its pizza, its architecture, its symphony, its sports team, and lakefront setting. When you visit this great city on Lake Michigan, you see the Chicago River winding its way through the towering skyscrapers. But if you lived in Chicago in the late 1800s, you wouldn't have been very happy to have this river in your town. The people were plagued by it, literally. A poorly designed sewage system dumped the raw sewage from the city into the river. The river, in turn, carried the sewage into Lake Michigan. Since the city drew its water from the lake, the pollution from the river contaminated the city's drinking water which resulted in deadly outbreaks of cholera, typhoid fever, and dysentery. So in desperate need of a remedy, someone discovered how they could reverse the flow of the river. If they could pull the project off, the power of the water from the deep blue lake would wash the sewage away from the city, and the lake would be purified to provide safe drinking water. Well, after great effort and expense, Engineers exceeded in their plan to reverse the flow of the Chicago River. 
Reversing the flow of the river made Chicago a better city to live in and blessed it with the presence of a clean and beautiful river. We too need to be careful about where we are getting our drinking water. Not literal drinking water, but the water that offers to satisfy the thirst of our passions and our needs. You see, Satan shamelessly dumps his sewage into the river of our desires and then welcomes us to drink. And when we drink, the damage begins to do its work on us in terms of guilt and regret and shame and brokenness. We become like backwards hitchhikers someone along the wrong side of the road. Instead of going to God, we're, coming, we're going away from God. When we direct, direct the flow to come to us, we end up poisoning our lives and our thoughts and our behaviors. When everything flows, flows towards our happiness and our satisfaction of lusts and our personal pleasure, we dump the selfish contaminants of the world into our families, into our friendships, and even into our churches. John the Baptist understood what we had to do to reverse the flow. In John chapter 3, verse 30, he said, speaking of Jesus, he said, He must increase, but I must decrease. That's the answer to battling selfishness. God must increase in my life and I must decrease. You see, the way the engineers were able to reverse the flow of the Chicago River was to use a series of locks and gates and canals that raised the level, level of the water and the pressure on one end to change the direction. It was all coming down here, they raise it up and all of a sudden it, re, it changes the direction of the flow. So how do we raise the level of the water and pressure on the opposite end to change the direction? How do we reverse the flow? First of all, we surrender to God's conviction from within. You see, part of the cause is the way that the message of some of the modern church messages to say that God just loves us and He gives us an abundant life and He wants to bless us and so we should go after all these abundant blessings. But that's not how God started. The message of the church is that we need to be convicted by God's love to say that we've missed it and we are fully dependent upon Him. And so we need to direct our flow towards Him and to towards others, not expect to have all this abundance come to us. We surrender to God's conviction from within, causing us to turn to Him in confession and repentance. We learn to trust that He alone is able to cleanse us and He alone is able to heal us. He alone is able to forgive us and restore us. And He alone is able to bless us. The more we get a hold of this revelation, the more that the living water within us rises up. And it changes the pressure of the river. So that now, instead of it all coming to us, as it rises up, it changes the direction. It begins to flow outward. From His Spirit within us into the world. Instead of the downward cycle of taking in the contaminated offerings of the world, God offers us the water of His pure love. His 
satisfying presence and His life-altering wisdom every day in limitless supply if we seek Him instead of the world. We'll know that it's flowing in the right way when the water quality of our lives matches the pure quality of its source. God calls us to reverse the flow. So what does that look like? Well, we go to Jesus, greatest teacher of all. He gave one of his longest teachings in a message called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus repeatedly said this phrase. He said, you have heard that it was said, but I tell you. What was he doing? He was attempting to reverse the flow. It's a message that's seldom taught, even in churches. It's a message that's seldom taught or lived out these days. But it is the only answer for what ails us as people. I guarantee you as I start to talk about these messages from Jesus that your flesh is not going to want to hear this message. But your spirit is craving this truth more than you ever may realize. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Verse 39, But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. You see, society does not endorse this approach today. People are quick to blame, quick to accuse, rather than to forgive and then to give unconditionally. Matthew 5, verse 40, If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. You see, in the natural, this just doesn't make any sense. Aren't we entitled to fight back? Aren't we, don't we have the right to blame others for actions against us and resist these demands upon us, these unfair demands? Verse 41, If anyone forces you to go one mile, Go with them two miles. Verse 42. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. What is Jesus saying here? Does He want us to be wimps? Does He want us to be pushovers? People without a backbone? No. He's calling us to reverse the flow. In each of these examples, someone is wanting to take something from you, attempting you to put, to put you into bondage by fear. But when the level of the water rises within you, you not only give them what they ask for, but you offer them even more in return. And so when you do that, the bondage of fear is now broken because they're not taking anything from away from you. You're giving it to them, and you're giving them more. You're reversing the flow to let God's Spirit flow outward. To fully understand the sacrifice that Jesus made for our lives, we have to realize that He freely gave His life. There's been debates sometimes about who killed Jesus and who was it that killed Jesus. Let's blame a certain people group for killing Jesus. Guess what? Jesus laid down His life. It was not taken from Him. Only by Him laying it down could He pick it back up again. If they took it away from Him, He'd have to wrestle it out of their hands. He is the one that laid down His life. 
our sins, everyone's sin, is what put him on the cross. Jesus freely gave his life. It was not taken from him. He didn't fight back. He didn't complain. He didn't cry foul or resist. In doing so, he reversed the flow. And in this way, his love was perfected. How do you make perfect love? By doing what's not expected of you. Matthew 5.43 Jesus continued, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You see, God knows that there is great hate throughout the land today. Especially across the political aisle. Cable news stations invite hate and judgment and slander against all perceived enemies. Yet Jesus could not be any clearer on how we are to respond to our enemies, whoever they may be. Remember, Jesus asked God to forgive the very people who were killing Him at the time. Whoever those enemies may be, Jesus gave us the response to our enemies. Matthew 5, verses 44 and 45. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. On both. Both of us receive rain. Both of us receive sun. The greatest witness that we can give is to show the world that Jesus is alive and working through us to reverse the flow of anger and judgment and selfishness and sin. Now listen, our enemies certainly don't expect us to pray for them with a genuine desire to see them healed. Yeah, I know there's, pray, there's prayers like, God, I pray that You would break that person. I pray that they would get their due worth. But God says, pray to them that they would be blessed. Pray to them that they would be healed. Pray that they would know the presence of God. They're not expecting us to pray for them with a genuine desire that God would touch their lives. And when you're praying for someone... You're led by love, not anger. That's how you know if you're praying the right prayer for someone. It is your desire because you love that person and want to see them blessed and touched by God. So when, they, when our enemies receive the exact opposite of what they're expecting from us, it messes with their minds and their hearts. They begin to realize that something supernatural is going on that doesn't make sense in the natural realm. They begin to realize that God must be working to extend His grace even to the hardest of their hearts. Let me ask you, how else are they ever going to experience the life-changing love of Jesus? They avoid churches. They avoid anything that sounds religious. If they detect a hint of God in any discussion, it quickly turns into a debate and immediate rejection of Christ. But loving our enemies and praying for God to touch their hearts and heal their souls is the most powerful way that we can respond to adversity and persecution. It's what keeps our hearts right before God. In fact, praying for your enemies is possibly the strongest weapon of spiritual warfare in which you can partake. Matthew 5.46 
Jesus continues, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? See, anyone can fight back. Anyone can complain or be vindictive in their own strength. It's only by the grace of God that we can exchange fear and judgment for love and compassion. Verse 47, And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? A true Christian is set apart and is moved by the grace of God. Even Satan expects us to respond in anger and draw lines of division like much of the world is doing today, including many in the body of Christ. Yet when we allow the truth of Jesus to penetrate our soul, we extend grace and love to our enemies or those who have hurt us, to those who seek to persecute us, to those who may not deserve it, but we freely give it anyways. That's what Jesus did. We don't deserve His love. We don't deserve eternal life. But He freely gave it to us anyways. That's grace. That's why we sing about amazing grace. We don't deserve it, but He gave it anyways. You see, the enemy works to incite fear and cause all this pressure to come against us. Because if he can get us into bondage by fear, then he has the power over us and the control over us. However, if we allow God to change the pressure from within us and we rise up in His love and in His grace from within, then the flow changes direction and it flows outward to change lives and to change hearts, beginning with our own. It is the reversal of the flow continually going outward that has the power to change the world for Christ. Matthew 5.48 Jesus says, be perfect therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, when we look at this passage, I want you to understand, how can we be perfect? We're not Jesus. In the context of this teaching, Jesus, when He tells us to be perfect, He is referring to us to be perfect in our love. Remember, His love was completed when the flow reversed. How are we to be perfect? We need to reverse the flow. We need to love others when the world or the enemy is expecting us to come back in judgment or bitterness or anger or accusation. When we reverse the flow, then love is perfected because the flow is reversed and the flow goes outward. If we resist the desire to direct the flow to ourselves and instead learn to love those who have hurt us, pray for those who hate us, and continue to draw strength from His Word to do so, then we allow God to change the world through us and through our obedience and devotion to Him. Now, we cannot do this in our own strength, as you all know. We have to realize that the source of our flow is the Holy Spirit who lives within each believer. John 7, verse 37 and 38 Part of our memory verse for today. It says, On the last day of that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. He who believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
You see, if we drink from the water of Christ, then the flow will be reversed and we will live and we will love outwardly. We don't go to the world for our drinking water. We go to the Holy Spirit. Come to me, Jesus said, and drink. And then, you, then your streams of living water will flow outward. If we need a reminder of how we are to love, let us go no further than the most famous chapter of love in the Bible. This is the fruit by which we assess our lives in Christ and the fruit by which we are to judge others whom we are following or being influenced by. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You all know this verse, these verses. Chapter 13, verse 4, love is patient. Right? Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. All those things bring it back to us, but if we're loving outwardly, it doesn't do any of those things. When you are tempted to strike back in anger or judgment, reverse the flow by letting your love be patient. Take a breath. Slow down. The world's moving too fast and we all know it. You've heard the thing, if you get angry, you get an email, never email back that same moment or that same night. Rest on it. Think on it. Pray on it so that you're not fighting back in anger, but you're giving love in return. Reverse the flow by letting your love be patient and kind. Refuse to boast or to be led by pride because that's feeding your flesh. Instead, let the Holy Spirit take the lead and move through your actions and your reactions. God, what do you want me to do? God will say, I know it's unfair, but I want you to give love. I want you to reverse the flow. That's how the world changes. Verse 5, Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. If you look around at the climate today, they're doing the exact opposite of this. Many of the leaders in the world today, many people in the world are self-seeking. They are keeping record of wrongs. They are dishonoring others. But that's not love. That's not the flow that God intends for His saints to follow. In the world today, there are many poor examples of God's perfected love, which means we reverse the flow. Too many people in worldly power make a regular practice of dishonoring others, being self-seeking, leading with anger, and holding grudges because they're reacting out of fear. Fear says somebody's trying to take something away from us. And love said, I'm going to give it. I'm going to let God's love go through me because God's already given me the greatest gift ever, and so I'm just going to give what He's already given me. See, these people, when they act that way, they think that they're in power, but the truth is that they are in bondage to fear. Yet if we meditate on the Word of God and seek Christ through prayer and worship, He empowers us to love in the same way that He did, by flowing outwardly. Verse 6, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. How serious are you about wanting to see change in your life, in those around you, in your community, 
and in this world. Are you willing to ask the Holy Spirit to assess God's love in your life towards those around you? On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate yourself as being patient? Don't shout it out loud. I know no one wants to. But if you're asking God, how would you rate yourself on, the, on being patient with others, especially when something is unfair? How would you rate yourself on being kind, especially when someone is unkind towards you? How would you rate yourself on not dishonoring others, not being easily angered, and keeping no records of wrongs? If you seriously desire to be used by God to reverse the flow, which God is calling all of us to do right now, then assess yourself honestly in these areas. And then pray about any areas or any weaknesses that the Holy Spirit reveals to you. It's not about shame. It's letting you know where God wants to work on you next. Prioritize these aspects of godly love and then pick a new area each week and prayerfully make an effort to improve. If God wants you to work on not holding grudges, not keeping record of wrongs, put that verse on, on by your bed, on your bathroom window, on your car dashboard, so you're reminded, I want to love. I don't want to hold grudges. It doesn't matter if it's unfair. The world's unfair. I want to love. There's nothing more unfair than people killing Jesus. He never sinned, and yet they killed Him. And yet He still forgave them. He still loved them. It's not our job to hold grudges and to stay in unforgiveness. Our job is to reverse the flow and to love outwardly. Pray about it. What does God have you do? And then reassess yourself each week or each month. Am I getting better at being patient? Is God's love flowing through me to make me be kind? And if you're really bold, then instead of you assessing yourself, ask your spouse or your children or your neighbor. Could you assess me on how patient and kind I am? That's tough. I told you your flesh does not want to hear that, but, and I'm not telling you have to do it that way, but that we need to reverse the flow. We need to think differently. We can't do it on our own. We need to let God fill us so that we can love outwardly. Let God take care of those things. God will take care of the anger and the unfair things that happen. We need to love. Imagine how you could change yourselves and change the world around you if we all just took it seriously to reverse the flow. As you make the choice to live intentionally for Christ, resist the temptation to direct the flow back to yourselves when things don't go the right way. When you flow outwardly for God, He takes care of you. Remember that whole thought is, I have to take care of myself. But the Bible gives us this truth. It's in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 31. And he basically says, if you trust me and if you love others and if you flow outwardly, then I'm going to take care of you. Matthew 6.31, Jesus said, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Verse 32, For after all of these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. 
and all of these things shall be added unto you. We must reverse the flow and give and live outwardly. Trusting that God will take care of us as we are faithfully giving to others. God blesses us. God meets our needs and fills us as He flows through us. We don't need to direct the flow. We need to allow the flow to go from within us and through us and then outward into the lives of everyone around us. Now we're not going to be perfect and we're going to make mistakes, but that's when we're quick to repent. God, forgive me, I blew it. Okay, here you go again. Try it again. God, forgive me, I blew it. Okay, here you go again. You're forgiven. We need to keep going back to the source, the flow, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Getting the flow right means that this massive energy and supply of God's love for others, His selfless acts of forgiveness and mercy, His care for the needy and the poor, His willingness to go the extra mile, and His willingness to surrender Himself for the good of others will flow through us and bless all those who live downstream. We all know what the world has been asking for. Let's give them something they don't expect. Let's give them what they really need. A refreshing flow of God's perfect love. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We thank You that there's no shame in Your presence. But as You convict us with where we've been off, we pray that You would, as Your Word says, to forgive us but restore us and then send us forth with Your love. So right now we focus on You. We ask You to flow through us as we worship You to reverse the flow that we would be healed and that we could be a conduit of Your love flowing through us to change the world. We ask You to bless us and to draw us close to the truth of Your Word in Jesus' name. Amen.